podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to get an indecisive group to decide which game to play next. Board Game Blitz is sponsored by Gray Fox Games. This week, we're talking about our experiences at Dice Tower West. First, we discuss a couple games we played recently, Escape the Room, Murder in the Mafia, Suspects Case Zero, and The Elder Scrolls, Betrayal of the Second Era. Then we recap all the fun things we got to do during the recently held Dice Tower West convention. And now here are your hosts, Ambie and Crystal. One quick announcement before we hop into the main episode. Same one as last time. We don't know when Board Game Geek is going to announce that nominations are open for the Golden Geek Awards. So if you happen to see that page show up on Board Game Geek, if you're a Board Game Geek user, and you want to throw us in to try and get us nominated for a Golden Geek Award for Best Podcast this year, whenever it shows up, we'd appreciate it. We don't know when that's happening, so we're just going to keep mentioning it. Yeah, and I'll try to link it in the show notes when it does happen. Yeah! Recently, I played a couple of review copies of Escape Room type one-time play games. First, I got a review copy of Escape the Room Murder in the Mafia from ThinkFun. I received a copy of this from them as well, but I haven't had a chance to play it yet. But Ambie's going to talk about it now, and then whenever I get a chance to play it, I will chime in with my thoughts on a future episode. Yeah, but Escape the Room Murder in the Mafia was published in 2023 by ThinkFun, designed by Rebecca Blau and Nicholas Cravata. Escape the Room is another Escape Room series of board games. I've only played one other game in the series and it was Mystery at the Stargazer's Manor and that one was like fairly easy but Escape the Room Murder in the Mafia is more difficult. It's also ages 14 plus and it says 90 to 120 minutes so on the box it says like two hours. You set a two hour timer. I finished it in a little over an hour and I played solo but this is a murder mystery themed one which is why it's probably for ages 14 plus because it involves murder. Instead of just like doing an escape room you're like figuring out clues to try to solve a murder. It's really cool. Like when when you're setting up the game, like before you start the game, you have to like assemble it. The box turns into like a 3D structure, which is your office, and then it has like little bookshelves in there that are yeah, like it's, little it's boxes basically like that you're gonna have to open up, up. right? Yeah, like kind of pop, yeah, yeah. So it had like different physical stuff, and that was really neat. And the way it does, does different puzzles, it has a spin wheel where like each puzzle has a different icon on it, and so you like spin the wheel to the puzzle icon, and then the puzzle icon answer, and then like spin the wheel from lock to unlock to see if it works that spinning wheel was a little difficult to spin and like in the pop-up room part some things were like already open kind of like things are taped together and are supposed to be shut and some things are already open when i before i started but i like put them back up but otherwise it worked pretty well so i really enjoyed escape through murder in the mafia there's lots of different types of puzzles there was enough hints to solve a murder sometimes when i'm playing these games like the solution of the murder mystery doesn't really make sense to me but this time it made sense for me obviously it'll be different for different people but like all, all the puzzles and stuff kind of made sense for me and also it's replayable you can reset the game and there's these really good resetting reassembly instructions online like where you put everything back in the boxes and then tape this back up and stuff like that (laughs) Um, step by step so that's really nice. Uh, but there, some of the things are like paper, so it could kind of rip while you're playing with it. So you got to be a little careful with some of the puzzles. And then sometimes I wasn't sure how much I should take apart because there's like different things you can do. You can uh, 
handle something, which means you can like pull it apart and stuff, or you can just look at it. Or there, there were like keywords in the instructions and it says like, if you handle it, you can take it all apart and take off like the glue and stuff. But there was one puzzle that had actual glue that you're not supposed to take apart. So I figured like I wasn't supposed to take that part apart, but like it wasn't super clear. <laughs> and then I didn't actually take off all of the adhesive that I was supposed to be able to take off. I didn't need to, but like it was kind of hard to take off. So I just didn't. So like some of the things were a little fiddly with that. But overall, I like really enjoyed the physical aspect of the escape room murder in the mafia and it looked really cool with the pop-up and the mystery part was good so if you like murder mysteries and escape rooms this is like a mixture of both and it's really fun and then I also got a review copy of Suspects The MacGuffin Affair from Achette Games. It's published by Studio H in 2021. Suspects is actually a different game, but this is like a case zero of the main game Suspects. So this is like a separate review copy case or like a promo case. In the main game Suspects, it comes with three cases, but Suspects The MacGuffin Affair is one case. It was about an hour long. We actually, I played it with Toby and we finished in like 30 minutes. If you've played Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, it's similar to that where you're solving a mystery, a murder mystery, with a lot of reading of different passages and stuff. But instead of like having a book of passages, there's cards that you're reading. So it starts with a little map that shows different places that you can go to or like people that you can talk to. And those are all different cards. So in the booklet form, you could accidentally read a passage that you're not supposed to or like see it as you're reading something else. But with cards, you don't get that problem. So that's nice. And then there's a point system. After so many cards, if you guess the correct answers, you're trying to like solve this mystery and you have to answer these questions. So you answer the questions after so many cards and if you get them right at that point then you get more points like so after 10 cards if you get it right you get five points after 20 cards if you get it right you get four points and then if you use more than that then you get three points if you get it right and then zero points if you get it wrong so like you can change your answer but like the time you answer you note down how many cards you had used so that was a kind of a weird point system because we didn't feel like we knew anything at the first cutoff but like we felt like we had to guess anyway so that we could like get the possibility of getting the five points but we ended up getting the info after reading all of the cards and we actually got a decent score for that so uh, unlike Sherlock Holmes consulting detective where if you played that it's like very hard to get a score that's good compared to Sherlock because Sherlock just does it really quickly and you get scored against him but in this one like we actually got a decent score even if we just read the all the cards which is like what we want to do anyway because we want to solve the case by reading the all the cards and all of the information so I liked suspects oh another cool thing is that the cards have art on them so sometimes it's text telling you things and sometimes it's art of the characters so the card backs have art of the characters that you're talking to so you can like look at that and then you flip it over and it says the text of what they say it has different art depending on what type of card it is like an item or a character you're talking to and then the front sometimes has images because you're like going looking at a room then it has an image and it's like oh you inspect this and you look at a different card and stuff so yeah if you like Sherlock Holmes consulting detective or like other murder mystery type games where you're reading through different passages and getting information piece by piece then Suspects is really fun. Well, Ambie and I are going to talk about a lot of the things we did at Dice Tower West in our upcoming mm -hmm. segment, but I did want to highlight one game specifically that I got to demo while I was at Dice Tower West, and that is the now on Game Found game from Chip Theory Games, The Elder Scrolls Betrayal of the Second Era. Chip Theory Games, I would say, is becoming quite known for their high production value, kind of bigger box, not intense 
intense in a bad way, but like intense experiences, like really in-depth, strategic, interesting gameplay in their games. And with this licensed game based on the Elder Scrolls video games, that has definitely not gone to the wayside. So obviously everything I'm about to say was based on a demo play of a scenario from a prototype. It is not final in form. So anything I describe here may change slightly from now until when the campaign funds. Elder Scrolls Betrayal of the Second Era is a cooperative game. You can play it solo or up to four players. And there are a number of adventures within the box. And unlike many campaign or story-based games nowadays, the adventures in this game take place over three sessions. And then that's it. I imagine there would be some people who are like, what? Only three sessions? What are you talking about? Like, I want to go on a big, on long, epic adventure. But honestly, if you're like a lot of us board gamers, I'm pointing fingers at myself right now, that like these big, epic adventure games, but somehow can't get to any of them because you have a bunch and you're just like, well, we're never going to play through this, then this is actually kind of nice because you know that to get through a single adventure, it's going to be three roughly one hour per player sessions. The sessions will be potentially long if you have multiple players, but you know it's just going to be three sessions and then you're done. I kind of like that. And they specified that like, it's you're not going to have tons and tons of things to remember between sessions. Hmm. They really have a lot of neat mechanisms in this game that make it stand out to me over other games of this ilk. Specifically, so you get to pick your race and class from a whole bunch of different options when you start the game. And then the abilities that you have will be related to those things. And the way you track things on your character board is you can train your stats up to certain levels, but there are different traits that'll go on the left side of your board and some on the right. And those will feed toward one another in these slots in the middle of your board. So if you train one of them up really high, whatever is across the way from that one, potentially you won't be able to train up as high. So they, you kind of have to do a little bit of a balancing act and how you increase some of your traits and stats and you have to make some decisions regarding what you want to do. There's also a really cool system regarding fatigue. This game can be brutal at times like you would expect a cooperative adventure game like this to be. But what's neat is they have a lot of ways that you can mitigate things. Taking on extra fatigue, which means adding blank dice that will clog up your ability to pull your good dice back out again. If you take extra fatigue, you might be able to do something right now or if you rolled a thing to like pick a lock and you're off by one, you can do something to mitigate the die roll. Like there's a lot of little mitigation things in this game that make it feel like you'll have less of those moments where you just roll like crap and you're just like, oh, I I'm screwed now. Like th that doesn't seem to happen quite as much here. I also like how damage is tracked for the heroes specifically because the hero's life is basically like, well, at least in the, again, in the prototype copy, it's these like poker chips that stack underneath your round character chip. Like you can physically see your health as a character moving around on the board. Like when you lose health, you lose the chips, your stack gets smaller. And so like you can really see and track how things are going in the midst of a fight. You're going on adventures, there's side quests, there's main quests, there's people to run into, stories to experience. Obviously I'm not going into a lot of detail because I don't want to spoil anything we played just in case it ends up in the final game. 
If you like to be able to customize a character in some really interesting ways, go on an adventure and have that adventure be very well crafted, I would say this is something you might want to look into. That being said, this is not a cheap game. It is licensed and it is big and it has a lot of stuff in the box. A base game pledge is going to run you $195 in US dollars. But we noticed that on the GameFound campaign, they're actually doing something interesting where you can actually do a payment plan and it's not interest-based. It's just you can, instead of paying all at once, you can split whatever you're backing for into a set monthly payments over time. And so if you are someone who loves these types of games and can't drop 200 or plus dollars all at once, there might be an option for you there. Obviously, this is still a lot of money for a board game. Uh, we're not going to debate that kind of thing here. <laughs> this is not the time or place for that. And money has different values to everyone. So I'm not going to say whether this is worth the money or not, because I don't know what everyone's financial situations are like. Based on what I've seen from this game, Chip Theory has put a lot of thought and care and love into the production of this game. And if this is your style of game, generally, this is likely to be a really good one based on what I saw from it. So take that for whatever you want it to be. And I know I uh, am really interested to see the final production copy of this one when it comes out. I've never played the Elder Scrolls video games, but the, the board that. game is definitely <laughs> impressing me. Cool. Yeah, I also haven't played the video games at all, so I don't know anything about the lore or anything. Right. <laughs> And they, they did a good job of making it like you don't need to like, I mean, obviously you don't need to have played the video games to play this game, but I'm mm -hmm. sure they have added in a lot of little like subtle details yeah, and probably. things like that. <laughs> probably people who do know the video games well will notice and appreciate. Okay, Ambie, so prior to here a few weeks ago, when was the last time that you attended a board game convention that's not KublaCon? Because that's in your city. <laughs> Before Dice Tower West, <laughs> it was 2019 Dice Tower Con, I think, in Florida. Oh, yeah. Yo, you were you were incredibly pregnant at that convention. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember you being disappointed that everyone was being so polite and like you were visibly very, very pregnant and people were saying nothing because, you know, like you don't ever want to go up to a woman and be like, oh, you're pregnant? Because like that, that's dangerous. Don't do that, people, especially in public to a stranger. But like even your friends were like saying nothing and you were like expecting all these big reactions and everybody was just like staying quiet. Because well, I had like hidden it. For yeah, you hadn't told almost anybody yeah but yes i was pregnant then and then now i have kids and they are so. three and a half years old and they got to come yeah. to the convention with you and toby they did yes yeah so this was our first out-of-state convention yeah as you mentioned kublacon i went to last year i'm going again this year but dice tower west was our first out-of-state convention also like our first out-of-state traveling in general yeah it was kids. the boys first time on an airplane right first time on an airplane yeah that was exciting they actually got sick on the airplane <laughs> <laughs> that was because I mean, of, that wasn't because of like normal air, it was a small airplane and there was a lot of turbulence so <laughs> that that'll happen to the best of us yeah, in those situations yeah. yeah i was starting to feel sick and i don't really get motion sickness so but yeah they they had fun at the convention i had fun at the convention even though it wasn't like conventions back in the day when toby and i would play hundreds of games <laughs> yeah hundreds, literally just, like your bgg you know, like con where you played over 100 <laughs> games in a single convention yeah. and i was just like what how <laughs> 
Yeah, now now we played like, maybe we played like 10, maybe less. I don't know. <laughs> well, I got to hang out with you and Toby and the boys a decent mm-hmm. amount, I would say. And your boys are yeah. my, my, my best friends and I love them. So <laughs> like, I just, I cannot get enough of them. They're seriously the cutest. <laughs> Yeah, they they like steal the show whenever we're meeting with anyone. They really do. So you got to experience some stuff here in Vegas that was outside of the convention, Mm -hmm. including Mm -hmm. you got to go to Area 15 for the first time, which is one of my favorite places here in Vegas. I know you didn't get to experience much of the stuff at Area 15, but you did get to go to Omega Mart. Yeah, before Omega Mart, I looked around at like the shops and stuff, which was cool. And then they had this big like skull thing that was lit up in the middle. And I took a video of that because one of my kids really likes skeletons. Yeah, and I went to Omega Mart. So Omega Mart, if you don't know, it's like a, I don't know, it's an interactive experience. (laughs) Interactive experience. I think is the best way to describe it. It involves computers that you go to. And so there were lines for those computers, which took away from the immersion. (laughs) I didn't like that part, especially since, so Toby was watching the kids while I did this with our friend. And so I was like, okay, like we're just waiting in line and like, are we going to be able to finish this? (laughs) So I was worried, but, but we did finish with plenty of time to spare. Omega Mart does a really good job of not holding your hand, but that means people who yeah. aren't super savvy won't know what they're looking for. So if they get onto one of the computer yeah. terminals that is part uh-huh. of the like thing you need to do and they don't know what they're doing. And they're they right could... in front of you. Oh yeah, they'll sit <laughs> so, there for a while. That happened so... to us like a few times. So I was like, okay, I, I don't even know if they're supposed to be here yet because... <laughs> yeah, I will seriously, I totally, I, I'm that jerk that I'm like, I'm a local. I'm like, do you want a hint? And I'll like try and like point people in the right direction. If they're Willie, and obviously I don't uh, like force people, but I'll be like, yeah, go that way. <laughs> but yeah, so Meow Wolf is the company that makes Omega Mart, and they mm-hmm. have installations in cities in a few different places across the country that are all different, I believe. Omega Mart, I think, is just mm-hmm. here in Vegas, and that's the only one of its kind. It's pretty mm-hmm. neat, and there's other stuff at Area 15 that I really love that hopefully you'll get to come back and do at another point. Yeah, maybe. There's a lot of stuff. <laughs> but there's other stuff in Vegas too, like the Pinball Museum, which yes. we both went to. Yeah, we went to the Pinball Hall of Fame, which is also one of my favorite places in Vegas. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's one of my favorites. So they just have a bunch of pinball machines and other arcade games. They had like some uh, racing ones and like these old hockey, I don't know what it's called, like the hockey, it's not foosball, but it's hockey. Yeah, it's the hockey version of foosball, foosball. basically. Yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah, they've got- And they uh, had some (laughs) ski-ball. Ski-ball, they've got mechanical bowling games that are arcade style. Mm. They've got the old whack-a-mole from like back in the like 90s Chuck E. Cheese style. Like, and they've got, like, when you see your pinball machines, I know a lot of people probably think of, like, a few different machines they've seen over the years. This place has Mm -hmm. pinball machines that you've never seen before, guaranteed. Like, some of the Mm -hmm. original pinball machines from when pinball machines were first created, like, very old school, you know, not a lot of bells, whistles, and bumpers. Like, some of those older machines are actually really fun to play. And, of course, they have a lot of modern machines, too. But, yeah, the one guy who owns the place and runs it definitely does it as a labor of love. He does it as a... I think it's a nonprofit mm-hmm. specifically. I know he doesn't make a lot of money from it. So <laughs> it's a it's a really cool place. And yeah, it's one of the places I love to recommend to people when they come to town. It was fun. We actually went twice. So I had like a pack of quarters that we had gotten from some people or something like. So we had a packs of quarters and we were saving them for the pinball museum. So we brought them to Vegas to, to do that because we, we don't use quarters. <laughs> and so then the first time we went, I forgot them. <laughs> so we just like looked around and played a little bit and then and then we came back and brought the quarters 
Nice. And I got to hang out with you all the second time you went. And mm-hmm. I got to play games with the boys and stuff. And that was fun. Yeah. Oh, and they had claw machines there too. Toby's oh, yeah. really good Toby at claw machines. Toby was so good at those. <laughs> I feel like my kids would just think like, my kids at home, one of them made a, made a claw machine and was playing claw machine. And he had a bin with, he put stuff in it. And then he he like put a quarter in and then he grabbed a thing out of the bin and put it in another <laughs> bin. And so I, th- I think they just think that you just always get something. Yeah, that it's like a, just a toy dispenser basically, right? Like yeah. a gumball machine. It's like... Yeah, I like Toby's always gotten it. Toby was really good at those. Yeah. But there was also the convention. Oh, yeah. You know, board so, games, which is technically yeah. the whole reason we, we came to the convention. Well, yeah. I mean, I live here, so it's, I was here already. But this convention was the most chill of all of the recent uh, cons for Dice Tower West mm-hmm. and or Meeple Con for me, because I'm no longer on staff with the convention itself, and I'm no longer mm-hmm. a contributing member of the Dice Tower either. So I... I was basically like free reign. I could do whatever I wanted whenever I wanted, which was kind of like, oh my gosh, what do I do with myself? So I didn't really schedule a lot of things. I kind of just Mm -hmm. let the universe, like I would text somebody. I'd be like, hey, what are you up to? I'd wander around, find someone and just sit down and play games. I didn't play, like you said, you know, I didn't play game after game after game after game, but I really, Mm -hmm. I had a really wonderful, lovely time playing the games that I did get to play. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I did have some stuff scheduled. I had my book at the Dice Tower booth and then I was there on Saturday and got to sign some books and see some people and that was neat. But other than that, it was mostly just like going with my kids a little bit and and not being able to play many games. We had the TLN meetup. That was fun. And just like, I got to meet a lot of people for the first time. A lot of people like I hadn't seen in person, but like I knew like other content creators and other people that I know from online and hadn't seen in person. And so it was nice being able to see people in person. And then I immediately forget (laughs) because I'm really bad at remembering remembering people (laughs) so yeah but yeah that was nice like even though I had my kids and it was like all hectic and stuff I was still able to to say hi to some people (laughs) yeah we the TLN meetup honestly was amazing Mm -hmm. we had a lot of people show up and we did a strike tournament with I think six full Mm -hmm. like we I don't think every game was completely full but we had six games going all at once and then we played down to a final table which Toby then won Because Toby is good at everything, basically. Yeah, but we gave away prizes to everybody at the final table, and we had some little snacks and swag going. And then right after the TLN meetup, a fellow content creator and Twitch streamer, Bonzinator, did her meetup in the same area. So it was nice because there was kind of this lovely little area of Twitch camaraderie that was happening. Like a lot of Mm -hmm. streamers and viewers from the Twitch community were all hanging out for a while in this one area, and it was really neat to get to see those people in person that you often are only seeing their screen names or you know their face on twitch yeah and i really do love getting to know people in person a little bit more when given the opportunity so that was really nice so thank Mm -hmm. you to anyone who showed up for the meetup we really 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 appreciated it and had such a blast and honestly i think we could do it up next year even bigger and better yeah i'm sad i missed bonds's meetup because i wanted to go to like the beginning of it but my kids were not wanting to stay at the convention they were getting very restless so we were like okay we have, we have to leave now <laughs> after the TLN meetup. <laughs> I know you didn't get to play a lot of games but were there any games mm-hmm. that you played during the convention that were either old favorites that you want to call out or new to you stuff that particularly caught your attention that you really liked? Well we bought and played Kites which I mentioned last episode but I did get to play Cuphead the fast rolling dice game so I came on Saturday night just for like a couple of hours when my kids were asleep and played a couple games with some of our 
friends. Cuphead was a game that I had wanted to play because it's a real-time cooperative game, which I like. And I haven't played the video game, but Cuphead's like a, a shooting video game, which I think I want to play at some point because I like those types of video games, or I used to. I haven't played a lot in a while. But yeah, like the, the game felt kind of like that because you're like rolling dice and trying to match it to block the boss and then also getting like shooting symbols to shoot the boss and then trying to get their health points down. And there's little mini rounds of 20 seconds long where you're rolling the dice and then if you don't get the dice assigned, then you lose life and stuff. So it was very hectic. And then they're trying to like make sure you don't die. So that was fun. And then it has like level ups and stuff. It's a campaign, but we only played one game, but there's campaigns where you can level up and fight harder bosses and stuff. So it's a game that I probably would have played before kids more, but I don't think like at this point in my life, I wouldn't be able to play like the campaign. So it's not one that I'm gonna buy, but I enjoyed it. So one of the other cool events that I got to attend during the convention was a meetup over at the AEG house here in Vegas, where they hosted mm. a bunch of people, including some content creators. Amanda Panda is the one who coordinated the event and kind of set everything up with AEG. And so we got to go over to their place and play a bunch of cool stuff. John D. Clare, who is famous for now a bunch of board games, like he's just keeps <laughs> racking them up. But he was there teaching some of his games. And I got to play one of the new expansions for Space Base that is being prototyped right now. And I love Space Base. In fact, I actually just hit 100 plays of Space Base just on Board Game Arena. And I've played it in person a bunch wow. too. So I love Space Base and I can't get enough of it. And the new expansion... Stuff that he's working on. I really enjoyed it added some neat new mechanisms to the game. We also got to do the Shake That City Daily Shake. That was really fun. <laughs> we played Ready, Set, Bet with two full mats. So like 12 people all betting on horses all at the same oh, time, wow. which was really exciting. And I also got to try the game that is currently on Kickstarter, Let's Go to Japan, which is a highly thematic card drafting game where you are laying out all of the activities activities you're going to do during a week in Japan. All of the cards have beautiful artwork and vivid descriptions of the places you're going. They're based on real places in Japan. The pronunciations of the places are all listed as well. So if you want to learn how to pronounce certain things, you can do that. And the card drafting in this game is very unique. It's hard to describe in an audio format, but like you'll take a hand of cards and draft like two of them and then put two onto the face down pile next to your neighbor. Or you'll pick up four, draft one pass, draft one pass, and then like it just again, hard to describe, but it, it does some unique things that most of drafting games don't do. And I really, really enjoyed the gameplay on this one. I don't know if this is one that I would need in my collection. I, I have a lot of games about <laughs> vacations in Japan, interestingly enough. But <laughs> if you like card drafting specifically, I'd say this is one that you might want to look into. It's still on Kickstarter for a few more days. That's called Let's Go to Japan. So that was at all at the AEG house, which was super fun. And thank you to AEG for helping host that event because it was really awesome. Cool. So have you been on vacation to Japan? I've never been to Japan. I really do want to go to Japan. I mean, I want to go to a lot of <laughs> different countries. You have all these games preparing you for it. <laughs> yeah. No, I've been to Europe before and yeah. I've been to French Polynesia. What part of the world would that be categorized as? It's closest actually to like Australia and New Zealand, but it's not near them. It's not close to them at all, but it's kind of closest <laughs> to them. I'm not sure what part of the world that's considered to be. But yeah, I've never been to Asia at all. And I would love to mm -hmm. go to China, Japan, South Korea, India, United Arab Emirates. Like there's a whole bunch of countries over there that I would love <laughs> to visit. So yeah, maybe someday. <laughs> 
While I was at the convention, I also got to teach a bunch of games. I do tend to do that a lot when I attend conventions. Because I'm extroverted and I'm a people person, I do tend to volunteer to teach games pretty frequently, especially if people are kind of just like milling about and you know, like you're having that moment where everybody's like, what should we do now? And nobody really wants to make a decision. I will just dig through my bag and pull something out and be like this one. And then if there's people who are interested, I'll just set it up and teach it. So I taught Riverside a couple of different times, which is one of, if not my favorite roll and write game. I played Scout a couple of different times with different groups of people, the trick taking slash ladder climbing game that Oink re-released a year or so ago. I also got to play some other games that I've played before that I really like, like Sequoia from Board Game Tables, now All Play, Planet Unknown, and Mantis. I taught that a couple of times. And of course we played Strike. We mentioned that earlier. I did not <laughs> play a ton of new to me games. Some of those though did include Athenium Mystic Library. It's funny because like I had played, there's another like magic library game that came out. Ex Libris? Yes, Ex Libris, like a, a while back. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason yeah. my brain, all my brain could think was you don't need to play another magic library game. Like I don't know why my brain was thinking that. But a friend of mine really wanted to play this one and some other friends of mine were setting it up. And so I was like, wait we're gonna join you. Hold on, we're coming. So we sat down and played, oh my gosh, I loved Athenium so much. I was like, no! I was like, I can't like it this much. So that might get added to my collection at some point. But yeah, Athenium was super fun. I also got to play a game that oh, I don't know what country it originates from. It might be Japanese, but the English name is Animal March, but March is spelled M-A-R-C-H-E. And it is impossible to get in the States, but I'm going to potentially be looking for a copy of it. And it has to be the deluxe edition that has all of the really cute little animal figurines because, well, if you see them, you'll understand why. That one was really cute. I was very grateful that someone had that and was willing to teach it. Yeah, it looks Japanese. No, you're just looking at it. Aren't they adorable? I mean, it's like, yeah, it ha I mean, it has like the katakana of the Japanese letters on it. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. The yeah, the game is definitely not super English friendly. Like you, I think there are English <laughs> rules and English cards, but definitely not printed originally for an English-speaking audience. I also got to play from the classic cardboard section. You know I have to dig into that one. I played the Star Trek game from 1979. It was not good, but it was still fun. <laughs> <laughs> Eric Summerer and uh, Legends DM and I all played that one together. And yeah, it, it was not I, a good I think game. I saw Eric tweet about that or something. Yeah. <laughs> that he was playing it. <laughs> yep. It, uh, I mean, we know what we're getting into when we grab a game from 1979 <laughs> off the shelf, right? Like, you, you know what you're getting into with that. And then I mentioned this in the last episode, but I finally played Azul Summer Pavilion and realized, oh gosh, it's better than the other Azuls. Yeah, yeah, so now I might have to play more Azuls. <laughs> at some point. And then last but certainly not least, I do want to mention that I did get to play my very, very favorite game of all time, Battlestar Galactica. I haven't mentioned it on the podcast in a while, so I gotta throw that in there. Shout Yay. out to our buddy and streaming friend, Meeple Conrad. He loves to play, when he plays a game for the first time, mm -hmm. with someone who's, it is their favorite game, he really likes that experience. I do too, because I think yeah. generally like, it's hard to have a horrible time when you are playing a game with 
someone and that's <laughs> yeah. their favorite game, right? Like it's hard yeah. to have a bad time then. And unfortunately for Conrad, I was a Cylon. I didn't want to be a Cylon, <laughs> but I was a Cylon <laughs> and I may have thrown him in sick bay. And yeah, it's it's a thing. You may have. <laughs> yeah, we, we had a very weird game actually in Battlestar Galactica. And we had to tell him, we were like, this doesn't usually happen like this. But you know, in BSG, who knows? Everything's weird all the time sometimes. But I was so happy that I got to play my favorite game because I hadn't played it in a couple of years. Yeah, that's super exciting. Is still your favorite? That's an interesting question. I don't know the answer to it. I definitely still love and adore Battlestar Galactica. It has not changed. I may have, though. And I still Mm -hmm. love it. It has not dipped for me in how much I really like it, but there have been a lot of games that have come out in the past, you know, few years that are really, really amazing. So at some point, I probably need to at least recreate maybe a top 10 or top 20. I'd like to do my whole top 100 again because it's been a long time, but maybe, I don't know. (laughs) Listeners, you tell us, do you want to hear our updated (laughs) top 100 lists? Is that something that would interest you? Because it's a lot of work and I won't lie. If y'all are like, we don't care, then I might not do it. <laughs> but I don't even I, know I, like how mine would be because I don't get to play that many games that used to be on my list now. So it's like, would they even be on the list if I don't play them? Like, I mean, obviously I can't speak for you, but for me personally, I think I have come to the realization that the frequency of which I play a game does not necessarily have to correlate with where it falls on my list. Like Battlestar Galactica, for yeah. instance, even if, and I'm just saying if, I don't know if it would lose the top spot but even if it fell it would almost certainly still be in my top 10 right like I love Mm -hmm. and adore that game and have for a very long time but just because I play it infrequently to me does not diminish what I feel about the game whereas a game Mm -hmm. like King Domino I play over and over and over and over again so it's still going to be high on the list but even if it's theoretically my most played game it's likely not going to be my number one even though I love it so I think there's a lot of nuance there listeners if you want us to do this you got to tell us because I I need to know (laughs) y'all click the link in the show notes to join our discord if you are not in our discord yet and we've got a uh, channel specifically dedicated to discussion of the podcast and if you want to hear our top 100 lists whether it's on the show or on our youtube channel or even live on twitch at some point like I'm down to do it whatever (laughs) well thank you to everyone who was at Dice Tower West who said hi stopped us said that they like our content there were a lot of really really lovely people that we got to meet at the show and it is always just such an amazing thing. You all are the reason that we make content and we appreciate Mm -hmm. getting to hear from you all in person when that does happen. So thank you. And for those of you who weren't able to attend the convention, I know you kind of got that FOMO. You're like, oh, I want to go. Hopefully at some point in the future, if it is safe and financially responsible for you to do so, maybe you'll get to come to this con or a different one in the future and we'll get to play a game together. Yeah. And if you want to hear more about Dice Tower West, I actually did a recap video with my kids. So if you want to hear my kids' thoughts on the convention, you can go watch that video, what they liked about the convention. I'm still trying to teach them how to do the live long and prosper hand signal. I'm working on that one with them. That would have been funny if they did that in the video. Oh my God, I would have died. I would have been so excited. (laughs) 
And that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Visit our website, boardgameblitz.com, for more content and links. This episode was sponsored by Grey Fox Games. Clans of Midgard is coming to crowdfunding soon. In this next game set in the world of Midgard, you'll draft, write, and fight as leaders of Viking clans seeking to gain glory. And if you want to buy games at greyfoxgames.com, you can get 10% off your entire order, including promos, exclusives, and upgrades not available anywhere else by using the code BGBLITZ2023 at checkout. Join the Blitzketeer community on Discord for game nights, discussions, and more by following the link in the show notes. Support the show by leaving us a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify. And if you like us a lot and want to support us monetarily and get some cool perks, check out our Ko-fi at ko-fi.com slash boardgameblitz today. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Morrow. Technical support provided by Toby Mountain. Until next time, viva los board games. Bye, everyone. Bye. We discuss a couple games we played recently. Whoops. <laughs> Ambies and <laughs> one quick announcement. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. <clears throat> no, you're fine. <laughs> By using the code BGBLITZ2023 at checkout. I need to burp. <laughs>